0: Hello everybody, uh, I'm doing a new thing here um, where I'm kind of just talking to people who I'm interested in and uh, the things that they're doing. Uh, I'm going to just call this little show or whatever it is for now, Dactalk, because <laughs> I'm Dactyl and I'm talking to people. Uh, think of it like a tiny Joe Rogan podcast. Um, and with me today, I have the one of the co-creators of a game that just came out January uh, known as Y2K. Uh, some of you on the internet might know it as Yik, because um, it's stylized. Uh, so go ahead and introduce yourself, uh, Mr. Allenson.
1: Hey, uh, i Andrew Allenson. As you said before, I was the co-creator of Y2K. I worked on the game's story, uh, the game's uh, dungeon design. Um, I composed the majority of the music for the game. Um, so basically, my hands are all over that thing.
0: It's really good music, by the way. Uh, uh, oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> Frankton's uh, theme stuck on my head for like two days now. <laughs>
1: awesome. That was my goal, because you know I knew you were going to spend a lot of time there, so I said, "Might as well make it something that you know, kind of like really went hard."
0: Yeah, no, you you nailed it. Um, so uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, like your upbringing and and what kind of got you into this?
1: Oh yeah, sure. I started getting into games uh, pretty young. Um, A rather game development pretty young. Um, So when I first got into games, um, it was like a really brief um, relationship I had with them because I suffered a head injury as a child that gave me um, childhood epilepsy. So I had games like almost immediately as I got into them. So my first console was actually a PS1 and um, I got Crash Bandicoot with it. I think it was, I'm going to say 1996 um i would have been 6 then and uh, um a couple months after christmas i'm at home depot and um someone smacks me in the back of the head with a pvc pipe that they had coming out of their their cart holy shit and uh <laughs> it caused pretty bad uh, head injury um and i couldn't play games for like 2 years if not they would um give me epilepsy or you know trigger a seizure really and um so i i would like I'd watch some people play games. Um, I wasn't really supposed to. And sometimes watching other people play games would give me seizures. But I I was so fascinated by them. And I think a lot of the fact that it was taken away from me made it feel like really sort of like sacred and important really early on in my life. Then about two years later, uh, the doctor told my mother that I could play Game Boy because the way that the the flashing light in it, he didn't think would trigger the type of seizures I, I had. So um I got a Game Boy and that was my triumphant return to gaming with uh Mario Land, six golden coins and, and uh, Pokemon Red. And um after I played those two games, I I needed I needed to know how the games were made. I, I needed to do it. So my brother and I, um he was who was a few years older than me. So I think at the time I was I was about eight, my brother would have been ten. And um, we just dived into programming books and dived into learning as much as we could about how games were made. And at at this point, um, at this point in the um, in the '90s, there there wasn't a lot of programming resources online. There was very few stuff about game development, so you had to get everything from a book. So that's kind of really how I got into it was just this this desire to know what made games tick. And then you know, started making them with my brother. I did it. Basically, it was always a hobby of mine. And then um, after college, we both decided that, you know, we wanted to try and start a game studio. And that's kind of what led me here.
0: Okay. All right. You said the thing about uh, Game Boy being kind of of your uh, triumphant return to to gaming. Uh, Does that have anything to do with the inspiration behind your your first game, Two Brothers?
1: Um, A a little bit. I mean, you know, gaming for me has always been associated with... um, handheld gaming just for the for the longest time so like when I when I first started making um we made our first game we thought about games that influenced us so many of them were Game Boy games like Link's Awakening or um Final Fantasy Adventure or you know uh games like that and um it always just made sense for us to be uh um you know it always made sense for me to go that route
0: yeah yeah no I I understand what what has your journey as a as a game developer uh looked like uh, from childhood on.
1: Well, it's been basically like you mean like what, what are like some like what has it felt like? like? What are like more detailed events that happened throughout that time you mean?
0: Uh just, just I guess like the development of of your first game, like like how how did that sort of help you into going on to, to things like Y two K and uh and on?
1: Okay, so um Two Brothers uh being our first game was something we made while me and my brother were both Still at, at we, were, we were at two different colleges and we were both like in like our last like year. Um, and uh, he, my brother started making all these, these Game Boy sprites because he was really sick of um working on his thesis, which was this big 3D animated project. And he was studying uh, computer animation at the time. And um, so to unwind at the end of the day, he would make these these sprites, which ultimately became two brothers and um we started off on kickstarter um i think we made the game for about sixteen thousand dollars and we didn't we didn't pay ourselves we just used that to promote the game and to sort of uh, get some like hardware we needed to actually be able to work on stuff correctly and uh it was um it was a disaster when it came out um you know we had a lot of a lot of bugs because we didn't know what we were doing we uh the thing was it what wasn't criticized in the way that y2k was where y2k you know, it has some some bugs on the Switch, but for the most part, people didn't hit it for the bugs. The things that, you know, Y2K was criticized for, like its story and sort of like thematic elements uh, that upset certain people, um, the thematic elements and story were praised in Two Brothers. So when we really? okay. when we went on to to Y2K, we were like, okay, well, you know, we know that we need to use better tech. We need to use, you know, superior software because we were using Multimedia Fusion 2 at the time for uh, Two Brothers. We need we need you know more stable, uh, more stable engine. So we switched to Unity for Y2K, and I think the biggest takeaway we had was you know making the game as stable as possible. I think at that point, I think pretty confident in what we could do in terms of like the game design and the uh, and the story because you know we had spent so much time making uh, Two Brothers, um, or so it felt at the time. It actually only took us a year and a half to put Two Brothers together. And um, I think that if, uh, you know, we we came off of that feeling like we knew everything we needed to know um, going forward, which turned out to really not be the case because you really can't predict the future. But it it felt like going into Y2K, we knew how to do everything. And as for how Y2K itself came together, long story short is um, after Two Brothers, um, you know, we were really determined to make another game and to just jump right back into things. And um, we wanted to do something 3D and we knew we wanted to make an RPG and um, we booked ourselves a slot at PAX East and we said we are going to show a prototype for a new 3D RPG by the time PAX comes and that's in 52 days and that's
0: all that so we gave ourselves too. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, you saw it there?
0: Yeah. Well, no, I, I didn't go to PAX, but um, okay. when I when I booked the interview, uh, I did my research. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I, oh, okay. I cool. found a bunch of videos yeah. of the different uh, runs, and we'll talk about that after you're done uh, with your statement. Oh yeah. Cool.
1: So that was basically from there. You know, we showed it at PAX, and uh, this guy Brian Queck, who's the game's producer, he played it, and he asked us, you know, if you wanted to help us um, uh, publish the game, and um, you know get it on um, consoles um, at the time and that was basically uh, uh, how Y2K became like our full-time job and then you know he wanted us to work a little bit more on the prototype we put like another like two months into it and then by the time uh, August had come around of that of that year we had signed a contract and um, we were uh, we got our first round of funding and we started developing the game so that's what it really looked like from childhood to you know Y2K.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's, it's pretty pretty long but focused journey I would I would say. Um
1: Cool, I hope that makes sense. It's like oh god, I'm rambling a lot. No, no, time.
0: don't worry about it. I'm I'm actually glad you're rambling cuz I'm the <laughs> I'm the one sitting here trying to think it's tough to say. Um but uh on that, I think this is a good time to sort of talk about um 2K has had at least that I know of, what, three iterations? And the third one being the final one. Obviously, the first one was the one you showed off at uh, that PAX. And then the second one was what I would almost call like a more cinematic uh, game that that was shown off. You can look it up on on YouTube. And um, then the third one is obviously the more um, zany, uh, interesting, and surreal sort of vision that, that you and your brother seem to have come up with.
1: So that's it's interesting to me. Um, I, I get, I understand um, the three different periods of the game that you're talking about. Um, when we first showed the game off, we had very, you know, we had this this prototype, and then when we showed the first trailer for the game, that was all new stuff from like the first like six months of development. So we had like the first dungeon done. We had Frankton, um, and the two of those things ended up in the game being ultimately very, very different. And, you know, there was a few areas we went back and changed because despite being more cinematic, it ended up feeling too much like Final Fantasy X, where you were just like, you know, running through these areas and they looked, really, but ultimately, it was like only like one or two branching paths and didn't make for great gameplay.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I could so, see that actually. Yeah.
1: yeah, and then the alternative is to go and make slightly larger maps. That would be something more along the lines of like, uh, like, um, like 12 I think or, of or, or well, not 12, yeah, like uh, Final, 12 Final Fantasy 12, kind <laughs> of, yeah, you know, or you know, there's like this this in between option, uh, and ultimately, sort of like going for more like a PS1 style level design actually, uh, lent itself to being a much more interesting game. And even if, like, you know, we didn't get to do all of the camera stuff we wanted to do in the levels, ultimately, all the changes we made. Served the game to be more fun.
0: Honestly, um, I feel like if, if Y2K was released back then, um, outside of having a much better frame rate than games back then, uh, <laughs> yeah, it would probably look a lot like this, um, mm-hmm. if I were to guess. And uh, I think you guys actually did a, a pretty great job at, at capturing that. Um, and, you know, just, just from a, a player's perspective, I actually really enjoyed the, the themes and the story. And uh, you know, I liked what you did with Panda as like the Calvin and Hobbes kind of character. Um, good little, good little thing there at the end. I won't spoil it. I don't want to do that, especially while the developer's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there, I feel like the the story. If if the player has, it takes the time to really look into a lot of the stuff, there's a lot there. But but I I could also tell that yeah, this this might be their their first RPG. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, and I think. It, it was tricky because we wanted the game to give this feeling of being like at least at like the Atelier Iris quality of games, like the Atelier series or like another like sort of like B minus RPG. So like for me, the way that RPGs kind of exist is you have like the triple JRPG, which is like the Final Fantasy game.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, which is like, you know, Final Fantasy fifteen specifically. Then there's the A RPG, which is something like near Automata and Persona Five. Where like the graphics are high quality and the cutscenes look amazing, but ultimately like the actual gameplay is removed from like being like full AAA like God of War, and then there's like this B series of of um, of RPGs like those like the Neptune games and um, basically like the sort of like anime waifu RPG games that are still being made in three D. Like we wanted our game to at least hit that quality. So like I think our game falls ultimately like ends up feeling somewhere between like the the B- and like the low A's. And I think it's brought down by the fact that like we couldn't do elaborate cutscenes or um you know certain exits to areas don't feel as polished as they should because there wasn't enough time to sort of like make like a like a, something that really rounded off the area. So I think like uh, the game definitely kind of fits in that sort of like lower category of like you know the what I like to call a a a a b c's of um you know game development <laughs>
0: um i guess before we move on to sort of the next topic uh, i do want to ask one thing um just to confirm a suspicion mount town is a pokemon reference right yeah absolutely yeah. okay i was just making sure cuz that song definitely sounded like <laughs> like the first uh, town um yeah Paladin? um yeah. so
1: mount town was created in, in the in the second version of Y2K that you know we, you kinda like talked about like the sort of like milestone. Um I think that in that iteration, there actually was only three towns in the game. Oh, really. And after we came back from development, we we wanted to put in like a bunch more towns. So I, I made as many towns as I could in a week. Which is basically everything besides
0: That's hard work. ...Frankton
1: and Wintown. Yeah. And I, I, I did I did all of them in, in a week and it was a lot of um it was actually a lot of fun, honestly, because at this point it was I was getting to fill out the world more and I was like, okay, here's some things I can add to the game that are um, you know, really gonna flesh it out and make it feel, you know, more like um like a real RPG. The other thing I think that would have gone a long way is if the, the world map had you crossing and going more places more frequently. That's something I wish we had gotten to do different in the game. I think that would have sort of like upped the sort of like feeling of uh, quality in the game a lot, just to diversify.
0: Um, how do you think the, uh, the launch for Y2K went, and how are things now after the launch?
1: The launch
0: um, was disappointing
1: um not financially you know the game sold the game sold pretty pretty okay in the beginning and it's uh it's continued to do decently since in the past month and it actually picked up since last week so i wonder if uh, how much that has to do with a certain appearance i did on another podcast <laughs> and um
0: i can i can plug it at the end if, if you uh, yeah, so yeah if. we
1: can we can we can talk about that one and um you know during that time period when the game first came out like you know, we woke up and we were seeing like, we were seeing really good reviews for the game, really solid stuff. Like the lowest thing, an 8.0. And these were for all, like from all like the Nintendo centric sites, like Switch RPG and Nintendo Life and places like that. And, you know, we're seeing these good reviews. We're seeing really good South American reviews and European reviews. And then, like, some review comes in that had like a literal ad hominem attack against me in it and I wish I could remember what review it was. And I'm sure someone on the Y2K Discord knows what it is, but they, some guy said um, that the main character in the game is such a horrible person, and so obviously a self-insert of the, the main developer that even when his friends should get mad at him, they stand there and take the abuse, and that speaks volumes oh to God. the character of the writer That's of so the game. That's
0: not true, Like if, if you're a reasonable person you cut out. Oh, um you were just saying that um someone uh, had basically attacked your character based on the writing and if you actually play the game uh and are, you know, a half reasonable person that's just not true. Like he Alex is really not that bad of a character from my perspective. He does a couple like particularly uh after the Rory arc. I think that was one of the the high points for his um you know, being a bad person, kind of, kind of thing. Other than that, he just kind of comes off as a little lazy. You know, and I thought he was a perfectly fine character. I saw a lot of myself in him, and I think you actually mentioned wanting people to to be able to do that. Yeah,
1: I think I think a lot of people who played the game and and really detested Alex's character. I think they were either really reminded of themselves in some way, or they were reminded of of somebody that may not even exist some sort of like straw man that they were upset with that is somehow sort of like represented something that upset them in that moment. There's a lot of those these days. Yeah. So I think that, I think that that was part of the backlash. And I I also think that it was just, it was the kind of sport of it. Right. Because if, if you see one person say something negative, um, you know, we have a culture of how, how far can we tear this thing down? How far can we uh, like Can we that? shit on this thing and turn it into a meme? Like outrage culture and, or whatever. W- yeah. So, and it's, it's interesting because I don't think the people who expected to hate it are the ones who hated it. And I think a lot of people who expected that it would be like, sort of like fit along with like their ideology or, or something. I think they misinterpreted what we were making in the beginning.
0: Man. Uh, when I was listening to uh, the, uh, the, the dick show that you called into. Um... Yeah. There, you, you were talking about how there were people on the left and right who who just didn't know how to how to uh, react to it, and I saw yeah. myself in that because there was um, a couple of, of points because unfortunately in the indie game uh, sphere of, of developers, uh, there does tend to be sort of like a political bent towards one way or another, and I have this this unfortunate. Uh, curse where every indie game i play i have to figure out if i'm being preached to <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> if, funny. if that makes any sense um,
1: yeah and you know and there there are definitely a large a large quantity of games that that are like that and um you know with with y2k i was trying to make something that didn't actually that, did, that didn't do that something that where by the time you got to the end you weren't necessarily like And the moral of the story is, do this.
0: Yeah, there's absolutely not that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I wanted something that felt a little more timeless because most things that are political, they're dead immediately because politics change so fast. Which is why, you know, Bob Dylan never wanted to call himself a folk singer because if he sang about anything current, um, he felt that it, it destroyed the music. Whereas folk music was this thing that was always changing and evolving, you know? yeah yeah, and i feel the same thing with games that if you make something that's too topical or um you know too even too divisive in like the, the sort of like culture war we're going through right now that i i, I think it, it kind of hurts the, the art ultimately and right, i think yeah. that it's really hard to make something like that that doesn't tread the line of propaganda
0: yeah and and you even know. if
1: your propaganda is for something that's good
0: yeah no i actually agree with that um It also just doesn't age well, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, So even if, like you said, what you're making is ultimately trying to spread a a good message, things might change in five years or ten years, and your piece of work is kind of just a history piece, and people later down the line will not be able to resonate with it. And that's why I feel like in 2019, of all years, uh, (laughs) I have to bring it up, stuff like... Uh, you know mother is seems to be really f- uh, thriving right now um, because it's just this weird pocket dimension where a story exists about little kids who know psychic powers and live in a world that would never exist <laughs> and it's it's right yeah, people are, are really into that uh, and also I have to credit you for um, making one of the many mother fours that are coming out um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't, don't insult mother that way <laughs>
0: uh yeah no that I, I was making that joke to to my wife uh when oh, k was coming out and knuckle sandwich and all these other games that are really weird and zany and they're rpgs and trying new things and I'm like yeah no who cares about yeah. four? got like five coming out <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> well it, it's kind of interesting because if you look at the trend of all of the the games in the mother series they're all about doing something different it's, you know sh- shattering expectations or rather ignoring expectations um and I think that with a lot of people who are into, say like the, the, the EarthBound likes or the mother likes, um, I think a lot of people tend to expect people to create the thing they see in EarthBound. That, like, I think EarthBound in a lot of ways is like a bit of like a Rorschach test where, depending on your personality, you're going to see something different in it, right? Like some people are going to see a game about the ultimate fate of the world. Another person might see a game about friendship. Another person might say, "How can it be a game about friendship there's no uh, there's like no dialogue between the characters <laughs> and um,
0: yeah I mean... you know
1: <laughs> it's such a simple such a simple game in its presentation that I think you can really project whatever you want onto that game mother three you can't though which is why you can't get mother three in the US because it would offend everyone way worse than y2 k
0: yeah like just the Magypsies alone would just be an uproar yeah which is silly. And
1: that and um the way that they handle death like some people complained about Y2K saying that we were making fun of suicide by having the golden alpaca appear so quickly after after
0: showing that oh, oh, okay let me stop you there what what is that what is the golden alpaca cuz i saw that and um you know, Vela, you know, spoilers kind of, but Vela freaks out, says, oh, you know, it's a it's a golden alpaca. And I have no idea what the reference is, if there is one.
1: Like, it's like, it's, we weren't trying to lighten a situation with that. It was supposed to be absurdist. It was supposed to show that when reality, it, it, it can feel entirely outside of your reality. And the way that that would feel is always, it's always going to feel non sequitur. So like a golden alpaca coming from another reality would be like the most alien thing to talk about it. Like we should all know what a golden alpaca is. And that's like the feeling of reality breaking. So that was the idea behind using like a golden alpaca. It's, it's arbitrary. It's just the fact that it's being spoken about, like it's something you should understand. And that's what it feels like when reality breaks.
0: And I guess they were just saying like, like the timing uh, seemed, seemed off or or were they said the
1: timing was like intentionally offensive To make fun of people who committed suicide.
0: That's just silly.
1: Which, of course, is something nobody would do, uh, especially not me.
0: Especially not an Um, independent studio who's trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah.
1: Right. Like, it's not we we were we're trying to make a game that is authentically a video game. There's there's nothing else like um you know there isn't necessarily like um, it is it isn't uh, propaganda. At least I don't think it is. Uh, I don't, I don't um, think it is. And um, you know, when you make when you make something like that, you expect that there's like a certain amount of risk to it. But you, I could never predict what the actual reaction to the game was because everything I thought it was going to get hate for, it didn't get hate, for. and it really surprises me to this day. So I think this this whole question started when we were talking about what was release day like up to up to now, mm-hmm. and to go back to that um, release day then it quickly got out of hand because you know we were talking to people about um we had like you know things were looking really good then all of a sudden we start getting hit with like fours and twos out of tens and you know people saying that like the game was like unplayable and it couldn't beat like the first dungeon and kotaku quitting after the first the first like hour of the game and i'm like wow like why is it that people from nintendo fan sites love this game people from south america and this is not to say the game is without things to critique because, of course, it's not a perfect game. And there are, there are plenty of, of issues with the game that you justifiably give it a, a, anything below a, like a perfect score. Um, yeah, 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 of course. But it's very different to make a game like that. That's like, an, like, a, like a 2 would be like an asset flip, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So to call Y2K like a 2 or a 3 was really interesting because it always came down when you read the reviews... They would say like they like the music and they like the dungeons and the combat was okay, but here's one story element that I found objectionable. So like I'm going to somehow, even though I say the, the, the gameplay, like the dungeons are really good, I'm going to give it a five for the gameplay just so I can give it this low score to hit it for this reason. Because the game is, I perceive the game to be saying something it isn't. And then, you know, as soon as people start start seeing this, they go, well, what's wrong? This game. Game, you know, why are people offended by it? Then the trolls come in, but it's not trolls in the way that people think about them. They're people who um I think they're 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 probably in their head they're doing their best. they're not making fun of people or causing chaos but um they come out like these like little nymphs and they start thinking like okay let's let's find a reason to be upset about this uh-huh. So one person starts going through screenshots of the game and they start um. Trying to pull things out of context, and it, it's not gaining much traction. So then the big complaint becomes: the game asks you um, what name your parents gave you, and yeah, how yeah, yeah. the game the game is going to do a dead name prank on anyone who's trans playing the game, and that's the the whole game is an elaborate dead name prank.
0: I thought that was which, of course, so ridiculous.
1: I mean, why would any why would anyone make that? Well, why would we- Anybody make that? And it's just imagine spending four years of your life working on this thing. Some some producers trust your vision enough that they give you a substantial amount of money to make this game, and you waste all. Oh,
0: hold on a second. Think you're cutting out again.
1: And then when they do certification and intent, and like nobody at the publisher would say, "Hey, maybe if this was actually what the game was, maybe." this would be like a really bad idea. Um, but no, people just people just believed that when they heard it. But why, why would anyone make that? And then that didn't, so then they said the game was trying to insult Iwata's memory. And they kept trying to find the meme that was going to stick. And I don't think a lot of them really have. I see a few people who, who comment and say like, the, the one that stuck the most is, because we were inspired by a real life event, um, we were unethically cashing in on 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 death and we were profiting from death and that that was very similar to selling guns or or something i couldn't quite trace it
0: but at the same time you know anyone saying that has to look at everything that they read and watch and play and say how is this not in some way inspired by real life events like like obviously i'm not talking about super, super mario but there have been plenty of really successful stories um, that will take something like the, um, and what he, what he's mentioning here, uh, folks, is the Alyssa Lamb uh, case, which is uh, just this incredibly mysterious, we'll just call it a murder because that's what it seems like. Um,
1: <laughs> right.
0: And um, he, he took that, that story and based a character off of it and use the character in such a way that was based on that was very similar to what happened in real life but um Alyssa lamb was was not ripped out of an elevator into space-time continuum uh.
1: <laughs> no it's um it, it's it's actually really interesting because what i felt when i heard about the Alyssa lamb stuff was i, re- I remember sitting on the couch with my mom and she's watching the news and she goes, oh, my God, it's so disgusting. They drank the water of a dead person. I'm like, yeah, but, like, isn't it weird that they're focusing on the water, the gross factor of the story, and not the actual person? Who is this person? And I always thought it was weird how so many stories were omitting the actual facts behind uh, the victim and just focusing on, oh, how strange is it that people drank water that had a corpse in it? And um, – I, I remember thinking that th- that was like, that that was a really tragic thing. How like the person was ultimately being forgotten within the sort of mystery. Because, so because I wanted, water. that was the thing I based most off of, uh, lamb was that everything people think about Sammy in the game is all projected. Nobody listens to what she says, even especially when she posts on, on-ism. she will show posts an onism and it, it just, it just gets ignored. Everything that uh, with her backstory, everyone on honestism ignores just to fill in the blanks, and it's the same thing people did with Alyssa lamb, so that's what I was trying to write about, and that's what I was exploring from that story, which is why you know the game ultimately isn't about a murder and it's a true crime story and um
0: which I can kind um, of appreciate because it, it sort of flips that that kind of thing on its head, you know
1: yeah I think I think it's definitely possible to expect it to be that within like the first couple hours of the game. But I think by chapter three, like if it's not obvious that it's that the game isn't going there, uh, then, you know, you're going to be surprised at the end.
0: Um, So uh, one thing I, I definitely wanted to, uh, to comment on before we got into the a little more of the, the social media stuff sure. um, is just as a consumer, as a fan of, of video games and as someone who definitely doesn't do this for a living, um, <laughs> it is kind of incredible to live in a day and age where I can just hit up like someone who, who made a game I'm interested in or a movie or whatever. And I mean, they don't all respond, but you, you have actually been, been very active and responsive on, on Twitter. And I, I have to say, I'm pretty uh, appreciative of that. You, you have congratulations. You are the spark that lit, the, lit the flame uh, for this. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, regardless of what you think of your game if something comes of this I will always be able to look back and say Y2K regardless of how good or bad the game is is it's a symbol for me it's the reason that I kind of got kickstarted on this this path here Um, so yeah like social media what a double-edged sword <laughs> you know it's, it's just, it's incredible because on one it, hand, people can do what I'm doing. And on the other hand, they can do what they did to you.
1: Oh yeah. You give everyone, give everyone like a, um, a megaphone and you can give, everyone can, can, can say their opinion no matter how stupid it is. And that's fine. But we have to, we haven't yet adjusted to like what the outcome of that can be yeah, because absolutely. it's, it's great that everyone can have their voice heard, even though let's be honest, that's not entirely how Twitter works um but theoretically on social media or facebook you know you can say whatever you want and you can add to the conversation whereas it used to just be the people on the who who would, would in public in publishing um so we've elevated the individual's voice a lot but what do we do with the fact that not every individual is necessarily like a good actor right
0: yeah yeah um social media is still such a a new thing i mean facebook really only kicked off in what 2008 2010 yeah um and i'm not even on that anymore I'm, I'm specifically on twitter right now um but i can't help but wonder as time goes on uh, how does this affect you know just i don't know about the the world but at least american society uh, as a whole um, because right now it seems to be very divisive uh, people are kind of going to tribalism uh, which is not something I thought I was going to live to see.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I think the first thing we're going to need to realize is, or actualize, is a plan to deal with cancel culture. Can you and
0: can, can, can you explain what that is for for me and the audience? Sure.
1: Uh, cancel culture is kind of like this idea that if 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 somebody does something that goes against the sort of like um, collective unconscious of. um people immediately expect that person to die or to disappear or to never be heard of again and basically just ruin their life and and cancel things over, uh, you know, like a, like a perceived injustice. And, you know, yeah, it it makes sense when someone like Bill Cosby does something and people have like this big reaction, like, I'm not going to watch any Bill Cosby stuff. Um, but we need to be careful what we all use this collective power for, um, and to make sure the things that we're outraged about are actually either worth being outraged about, or um, you actually have all the facts on them, you know, before you do it, because there's a lot of damage that can be done. You know, like I had a bunch of a bunch of stuff that was going to be done for Y2K, like tie-in stuff, and a lot of it's been canceled. People have pulled out because there's still this meme that Y2K is like a sexist, or a racist, or a bigoted game. Wow, really? And yeah, and that all came from the fact that individuals, you know, can say whatever they want, and you know, I'm, 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 I'm cool with that. I just, you know, I'm just urging people to use it responsibly. And if you see somebody shouting that something is, is the devil, you know, do your own research into it. And if it's a video game, there are so many let's plays out there. So if you're still convinced that you know Y2K is like this, this you know hateful game, watch it let's play of it from the beginning of the game and and you'll see that it's not and you'll see that um you know like this whole idea of uh, a lot of the memes that have gone around about the game like there was one that the game endorsed like um pedophilia because somebody rewrote the name of a character um who was like a a 14 year old girl to someone who's like a woman in her like late 50s they changed the character's name from NPC dialogue, and they're like, why is he talking about a 12-year-old girl like this? And, um, you know, that spread, you know, it's like, yeah, sure, it's only 50 retweets, but 50 retweets, if one person, the wrong person sees it, it can, it can do a lot of damage. There's a lot of explaining, you know, that has to be done to a lot of people still about what Y2K is and, and what it isn't. And a lot of people I know, um, I think, really bought into the memes when they first came out. And as it is, I, I I lost eight Facebook friends the day that all of this shit was going down. Did, did you say and only eight one or 80? Said to me and say, "Hey, is this true?" And you know, I sent them a game code, and I said, "It's it's play the first, you know, play the first hour of the game. You know, you're going to see that this is not, you're, this is not what they're saying it is." And you know, this is like I, I saw one comment um, that was like when, after I did the Dick Show appearance, which was like, uh, "Oh, this this person." You know, saying that there was a backlash against their game um to excuse it from having bad reviews like i can I can accept criticism, but what I don't like is when people misrepresent something, criticize the game that exists, not the one you wish existed. the one you wish existed,
0: yeah, yeah, actually, I actually think um calling into that show was a very smart thing for you to do um it was i mean it was it was a lot of fun it <laughs> yeah, yeah. fun it sounded like a lot of fun um but it was also just—I mean, uh, I don't know if you meant to do this—but it, it was almost a clever way to uh, kind of stand your ground on on this whole situation, which I assume is kind of ongoing still.
1: Yeah, it, it it is it is ongoing. Um, you know, I'll I'll know more about the sort of like standing of everything once I go to PAX East and I, I talk to you know other people I know to make sure that there wasn't like too many too much like personal reputation damage done.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, I, I'm actually, uh, I'm interested to hear how that goes. Um, well, a little bit more lighthearted, um, after the game came out, um, regardless of, you know, we'll just call it bullshit criticism. (laughs) Um, (laughs) what do you think about the game? Like, like, I know um, you've you've talked to me a little bit on, on Twitter and I've suggested things because while I was playing it, there were a couple of gameplay things that, that did kind of frustrate me, but I didn't rage about it. I just said, hey, you know, maybe you could do this. Uh, I don't know if you remember any of those because I know you got like thousands of followers. <laughs> you know, I, I had my input. I thought the game was fine um, outside of some changes. I'm just curious as to what you think.
1: Of the game like, overall?
0: Yeah, just just overall, like, like after the feedback. Like...
1: Yeah, I think, I think we accomplished a lot of what we set out to accomplish in terms of making something that felt like a relatively large-scale game for a small studio. Something that had more in line with, like, a PS2 or PS1 RPG from, like, a major company than something being made by a few people in... You know, in like the you know 2015, like when we started the game, we wanted it to feel you know like 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 a sort of more monumental sort of like undertaking, and I think we accomplished that. Um, I think that uh, things I would have loved to have done from the beginning was I wish we had the, the game's balance that it currently has. I wish the game had its current load times. I think that um, where we where we did worst on the gameplay. Was the balance um, and the overall amount of time it took to complete battles, Um, so like those were like the the criticisms like that I I I definitely took to heart about what I'll focus on most with the next project and uh, you know what's sort of undertake first and then um, you know corrected them in Y two K. I know that there's probably still some some things that could be tightened up, Um, but ultimately once I see all the feedback from the latest Switch patch, which should drop like in a day or two, then uh, I'll have like a better feeling of like overall, like, you know, how successful was this? For me, in terms of like my own personal score, if I had to score the game, I'd say the game's like an eight or like a 7.9. And um, I know I can do a lot better with the next one, but I'm really happy that this one has found an audience because I didn't want to create something that I just make and forget about. I wanted there to sort of be like a um like embers of the game still, you know, like a people who care about it until the next game comes along.
0: Well, I can I can definitely tell you that that's the impression that that comes comes from playing the game. Um there's there's definitely parts in that game where you where you can feel uh, that there was a lot put into either the scene or, or whatever you're trying to convey. And again, I'm not trying to spoil stuff. Mm. So, but honestly, uh, if I were to summarize Y2K, I would probably say something along the lines of it's a love letter to the nineties and an exploration of profundity. Mm. Um, well, with all that being said, uh, we're about to hit an hour now. I don't, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to uh, to plug or talk about before before you signed out? Play. Hello. In. God, Discord's killing game me today. PS4,
1: and we're gonna have a physical version coming out soon. And the physical version is going to get one more major update on the game. And this major update is going to correct all of the remaining issues that people have with the game, any sort of like big, glaring, obvious things, like, you know, I wish you thought of that at the beginning. One one more major update, and then the physicals will go to print. Uh, so if you're looking for the timeline of physicals, that's that. Uh, you can find out more about Y2K on rpg.com And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it.
0: All right. Um, did you want to say any, any, anything about the work that you and your brother are doing on Starstruck?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll talk about Starstruck. Uh, Starstruck is um, a game that uh, me and my brother are working on um, with our friend Max, who uh, left um, his like uh, very sort of like um, very accomplished programming positions at like Amazon and Twitch to leave to start a game company. And then when he left, he asked us if we would do the uh, the music and graphics for his game, and um, uh, yeah, that's actually going to be playable at PAX East. So if you're going to PAX East, you can find the uh, the booth for Starstruck. Uh, you can find out about that game at playstarstruck.com or the Twitter handle, which is at playstarstruck. And you can see more from that game.
0: Awesome, man. Well, Andrew, it was really great to talk to you. Um, can't say I, I, I do this every day. Uh, so. <laughs> well, you, know,
1: you did a, you did a good job. So I don't, I don't think, I think this is actually going to come out pretty good once you cut it up and stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, might take a while, but uh, I'll figure it out (laughs) anyway. Um,
1: I, my my advice for editing is don't over edit. Just take out any like really obvious stuff. Don't pull a Maddox. Don't try and rework sentences. It's, um, just, uh, you know, just worry about keeping the volumes consistent and you should be okay.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to be, uh, hunting down more people to talk to after this. So uh anyway, um yeah, that was Andrew Allenson of the Allenson Brothers of Act Studios and um look forward to the physical release of Y2K. He cut out there for a minute. That's what he was talking about. And uh Starstruck and um I guess I will talk to you guys later. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Later. Hey there everybody. Uh this is just some some post content uh because this is my first interview. Um I kind of forgot to uh, plug my own stuff and some stuff that I'm affiliated with and to just kind of cover what I was wanting to do with this show. And It all kind of depends on the eyes on the show and what I'm capable of learning and doing because I am, to be frank, I am a factory worker. Like I I have almost no computer skills uh, for the modern day. So you know if you hear this do your best to spread the word. That would really help me out. I'm going to be, for now, unless someone suggests something better, I'm just going to be using SoundCloud, and I'm going to try to use YouTube. But until then, I'm just kind of <laughs> taking it a step at a time. So um, I would like to go ahead and plug my Twitter for this, uh, which I just made not that long ago. Um, it's at Dactyl6 on Twitter. And then there's uh, the other Twitter that I, I use which is at typodactyl uh, on twitter i think i've said twitter way too many times i'm still new to the whole twitter thing uh, <laughs> but uh, real quick let me go ahead and plug the uh, channel that i'm affiliated with outside of this um, on twitch it's uh, twitch.tv slash typo house games um, on youtube there's two channels one is t- uh, typo house games and the other one is typo house plays it's spelled like it all sounds so you know if you know how to spell typo you know in house and those other words uh that's that's how you find us uh typo house is one of the bigger streaming uh companies in georgia um and it's all started by one guy t-rex <laughs> and um he's been he's been doing Competitive Smash streaming for probably about five or so years now, and um, he's put a lot of work into it. And we would really appreciate it if you would check out our Let's Plays and uh, Smash content if you're interested in all that stuff. Um, on the Let's Play channel right now, we are doing a Let's Go evie uh, Nuzlocke. Um, there's another uh, run that's Kingdom Hearts One. I think it's just like a regular run, and then they're doing a XCOM 2 run, I'm not involved with the Kingdom Hearts one, or the XCOM one, because uh, I am a very busy man. I only have time for one, unfortunately. Um, However, uh, like I said earlier, uh, if you guys could spread the word about this, this podcast, or whatever, um, I, I guess it's a podcast, technically. If you could spread the word about this, um, I would really appreciate it, because I would love for this to go uh, into such a way where maybe, just maybe, I could have a job where I'm not exhausted all the time. Uh, Or, you know, I could just have a really cool hobby. That's fine, too. Because, tired or not, I rushed home today to do this. I was so excited to get to talk to someone uh, as cool as uh, one of the developers for Mac. Um, So, yeah. This is Dactyl, and uh, that was the interview. Oh, Oh, also, right, real quick. Um... Sorry about all the uh, cutouts and stuff. I actually did my best to edit it and make it sound legible. Um, There's nothing I can really do about that or him. Um, It's just internet problems, yo. Uh, I will do my best to avoid that kind of stuff in the future. Um, But for now, this is what we got. And uh, I guess I'm just going to have to learn from here. I appreciate the listens. And um, yeah, have a good one.